Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I just wanna to touch on some of the companies that I work with that I believe you can benefit from. So the first one is Lifecycle Mushrooms. So mushrooms have been gaining a lot of popularity and not only in the psychedelic sense and psychotherapy, but also just grown mushrooms that you can eat and cultivate. And Lifecycle is a company that will extract different mushrooms such as lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, reishi, even shiitake. And each of these mushrooms has a unique property that is beneficial for your health. For instance, lion's mane can help drive up BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which can really help boost cognitive abilities. Reishi, I take at night because it actually helps you lucid dream. So a lot of these things are really good for your immune system and just your overall health. I've noticed a palpable difference when taking the lion's mane for sure and absolutely the reishi as well. So you can get 10% off these mushrooms if you use the code DRDARSH10. That's doctor spelled as D-R-DARSH10. 10. And again, it's life cycle mushrooms. All right, next, there's been a huge boom talking about blue blockers. I see so many people now wearing blue blockers, but unfortunately not the right way. During the day, I see so many people with orange and red tinted blue blockers. And the problem with that is you're blocking all the blue light and blue light is actually what keeps you awake during the day. It's what stimulates your eyes. And so there's a company out there called Viva Rays who has the science down pat. They have three different versions of glasses. They have a yellow tint, an orange tint to use in the early evening, and then a red tint to use late night. The beauty about it is that you can buy one glasses and then buy two separate clip-ons to put onto those glasses. So it's pretty much a three-in-one. And the coolest part about it for me is I've been tracking my Whoop data now for about two years. And the biggest influence on my HRV and recovery and sleep has been whenever I've been wearing the blue blockers, at least at night. So that's really cool to see. If you guys are interested in learning about the science of blue blockers, uh, check out the Viva Rays website, and you can also get 10% off with the code Darshan Shah. That's spelled D-A-R-S-H-A-N-S-H-A-H. All right, last but not least, whenever I was an intern, I used to freak out going to the hospital. How would I present? What if there's a code blue? What would I do in this situation? I was a wrecking ball. So I got an acupressure mat. One of those mats that has these pricky, pricky points on it, and they kind of shoot up into your feet or your back or your neck. Uh, it's not painful, but it kind of feels good, a little uncomfortable, but good. And what I started to notice was even using this mat for 10 minutes, I would start walking to the hospital cool as a cucumber and just feeling a lot better. And so the company I work with is called Bed of Nails, and I've seen many people try it out and find it beneficial, and there is good data on this as well. So you can get 15% off of the acupressure mat using the code BON, B-O-N, Darshan. So that's B-O-N-D-A-R-S-H-A-N. All right, enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Balcony Thoughts episode. Um, this talk is going to be about you know vegetarian veganism, meat, things that affect us, from the day we're born to where we are now and the way we think about our consumption of certain meals. And the reason I wanted to bring this up um, is because there's so much talk about it now. You know, there's so many debates. There's a huge push from the vegan community. There's a lot of talk about climate change, climate change excuse me, on both ends. And so I wanted to offer my thoughts. Now, I want to preface this episode by saying I'm not here to change anyone's beliefs. I'm not here to change anyone's minds. Myself as a vegetarian, I'm not telling you to stop eating meat. I have a lot of friends who eat meat, um, but I'm, I'm here to offer a perspective, offer some thoughts. And you'll see by the end of this, um, I'm really just trying to think about what's next. How do we think about what's upcoming? 
So let me just start with my journey. So growing up from an Indian family, we believed in Jainism, right? So J-A-Y-N, Jain, J-I-N, sorry, Jain. Um, and the overarching principle of Jainism is uh, something called ahimsa, which means nonviolence. And so it's nonviolence, not only towards humans, but also all forms of animals and, and living things as much as possible. Um, so that's kind of the moral compass that Jains live by throughout their life is to not inflict any pain or suffering to others, uh, do unto others as you would want yourself, right? That, that golden rule. So I grew up religious, didn't eat meat, and most Jains are vegetarian. So they won't do eggs, they won't do meat, but they will do dairy. And so... I didn't eat meat growing up. And when I was about 18, 19, 20, and I had a large enough brain and more functioning in my brain to kind of think about my life and what I believe in, uh, ethically, morally, spiritually, religiously, I started to think about this more. And I'm not religious. You know, I don't, sure, I may identify as Jane, but I'm not one to believe in Jainism in that sense of going to temples and praying. And I'm more spiritual. But with that, I think everyone has an ethical or moral code. And so I've continued to be vegetarian from a completely ethical and moral stance in terms of not inflicting pain or indirectly inflicting pain on other animals for my benefit when there's an alternative, which is being vegetarian. And I'll get into the health perspective. I'll get into factory farm. I'll get into all of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my my journey. Now, I want to talk about a couple of podcasts that I was listening to that might might help us further get into thinking about this. So the first one, I don't know if you guys have seen this, if you follow Joe Rogan, Neil deGrasse Tyson, or the vegan community. Neil deGrasse Tyson was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was asked about, you know, kind of just veganism. And he said vegans are pretty much species bigots, uh, meaning that we'll go out and save pigs and cows, but, you know, we're not out there to kind of help all the ticks live, right? We're not out there saving the lives of ticks. And so it's a very interesting principle because it actually relates back to Jainism that says, you know, you first and foremost do not inflict pain on those with higher levels of senses and senses, meaning like the, the five senses, touch, sight, you know, taste, all that. And so what's interesting in the animal kingdom is you'll find species with varying senses. You know, you'll find animals with two senses, three senses, four, and then of course five, which is us, right? Um, and so there's kind of this chain of command, so to speak, um, in that you, you, you're going to inflict more pain on somebody with higher senses because they have more of a complex organism, complex nervous system, and thus they can feel that pain maybe more. Now, this is kind of getting a little disputed because now if you watch Seaspiracy, you also see fish have a nervous system where they can also feel pain. And that was once before thought of as, oh, fish don't feel us killing them. Uh, because of nerve endings, they might not have any and stuff. Um, so that's where I think Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't realize that there are some religions and some communities and people who already have that kind of thought out as, right? And of course, I mean, you have to eat plants, right? I mean, you have to eat something um, in though plants are living, otherwise the human species is dead, right? And so I think people who try to debate this, try to debate it in a black and white sense, which you can't not everything can be taken to an extreme and live that way. There has to be some gray area and then within that gray area, a spectrum, right? So that's the first point I wanted to make. The second point I wanted to make, which is kind of where this title of the podcast comes from, is that if you guys listen to Peter Atia, right? And Michael Easter, and I'll link their episode um, in the show notes, 
they talk about hunting and they're both hunters and they talk about the comfort crisis and experiencing hunger and going out and trying to kill your own meat and kill your own food and having that appreciation of animals and having that appreciation and spirituality and connection, a deeper connection with animals, knowing that you may have actually ended their suffering because they were going to experience possibly a more traumatic death in the future from another animal. But now you're blessing this animal because they are providing you with nourishment. And in that podcast, Peter Tia and Michael Easter agree that if you're not willing to go and kill an animal, if you're not willing to go and hunt for your own food, even once or twice, or go to a factory farm and kind of see an animal die, then you probably should not be eating meat. And you're probably better off actually um, not having that cognitive dissonance in terms of, oh, well, I'm not the one killing, but this is what I eat. Because you're not necessarily seeing that animal in full form, right? You're seeing it chopped up into pieces. Um, and so that's kind of where this cognitive dissonance comes from, is that from a marketing standpoint and where you go to the grocery store, you're not understanding the story of that animal. You're not out there in nature understanding what the different possibilities are. Sure, that animal might be suffering a more tragic death later on, which is what Peter Atia and Michael Easter kind of argue. But if you look at some of the yogis that talk about this principle of controlling an animal's life, they would be against that. So even when it comes to euthanizing dogs and euthanizing animals, without their consent, without actually understanding and letting life be and take place, we can't come and interfere with that. Now, again, you can go on the opposite side of that and say, but it is natural for a human to go out and hunt. So I'm not technically interfering, right? So you see how this gets very gray. It is not black and white. And I'm telling you, as a vegetarian, where I would rather see from my bias None of these animals getting killed, even hunted or anything. I can at least see the point where this is getting gray, where it could go either way. Um, and I, I do believe and I do understand that evolutionarily we hunted to eat. Sure, we grazed on plants when we couldn't find food, but we hunted for that nourishment. Um, the sec the third point I podcast I wanted to bring up was actually when I was just listening to right now. That was the Rich Roll podcast. And he interviews um, a moral philosopher, Peter Singer. And so they talk about the ethics of being vegan and the cognitive dissonance that comes along with it, which I just previously mentioned. Um, but there's a lot of terminology and a lot of acceptance um, that, that comes with eating meat, right? So we think that, oh, if it says grass-fed and not antibiotics, we're now have a less of a burden on the system of factory farming and that it's okay to do that. Meanwhile, people don't actually understand the death and the complex things that go into hurting that animal, feeding that animal, killing that animal. And I don't think it's as good as people think it is, right? From the wording that you see on packages and things. So I find that concept very interesting. And I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance and a lot of people have heard this in regards to, we tend to savor, and I don't mean this in a eating way, but savor and have more empathy towards fluffier animals, you know, rabbits, dogs, cats. Whereas we don't with pigs, cows, et cetera, because of the culture that we grow up in, because that's what we're taught. And so we protect our dogs. But then when you hear about some Asian populations eating dogs or eating, you know, some pets that we would have here or birds, we look down upon that, especially in the U.S. And in the end, when you branch out and look at it from, you know, a 20,000 foot view, they're all animals in the end, right? With these complex systems, the amount of senses that they have. 
So I think it's very interesting how much culture has made us blinded to our own thought processes when it comes to actually thinking about what we value and how we actually think about animals and the world around us. I mean, I think it's safe to say, and I don't think anyone could argue with this, is that as humans, we believe in a very human-centric world, whereas what we do rules and matters, and we're going to govern how this world works or how it gets destroyed or how it gets built. And obviously, that's evolutionary and our intelligence and our ability to adapt. But we forget that we also wouldn't be here. We also wouldn't be able to do the things if it wasn't for nature, if it wasn't for other animals. Um, I mean, you take out an entire community of bees, for example, right? And your plants go down. So we truly do live in an ecosystem. Um, but yeah, okay. So let's talk about the future now, right? So I think there's a huge debate on this. I think a lot more people are getting into hunting and understanding that. But I true, duly, true, yeah, do truly believe that 90% or more people would probably not eat meat if they were forced to see an animal die or if they were forced to hunt. You know how when you, I don't know if it's Coors Light or Bud Light, but when you drink one of their beers, sometimes they'll say like, this was brewed by this brewmaster. His name is John Doe. Um, and this is how long it took for him to get it to here. What if they did that for meat? What if they did that for the chicken that was going to be on your plate? Had the birthday, had when the mother was born, um, told you how long it lived, uh, what antibiotics it was felt, um, how much weight it gained before its legs gave out underneath them. Um, what if it had those details that we're blinded to? How much would that push you away from eating meat? Or at least choosing the meat that you choose to eat or going out and hunting or going out and getting a new perspective on what you're going to choose to put in your mouth, what you're going to choose to feed your family. I think those are such important topics, right? And I think, sure, it can translate even into the dairy realm, right? And I mean, again, this is gray. I'm not here sitting on a pedestal saying I'm better because I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. You know, I know there's issues even with the dairy industry. And I think what's important is we're out here and we need to do as much as we can to learn and understand and be better, right? So going out and getting pasture raised eggs rather than even just cage free eggs and spending that extra, a little bit of extra money, making sure we vote with our dollars, uh, what we want to see, where the, where the changes that we want to see. But when we talk about the future, you know, cultivated meat is becoming a really nuanced topic now. So essentially cultivated meat is getting a biopsy of an animal's muscle and then growing that into larger form muscle and larger form meat. And Singapore is actually probably the leaders in the world because they've now approved this and they're a plant-based hub in the entire world. Um, and I'll actually be going to Singapore shortly. But the question remains, am I, would I ever have cultivated meat? Like where does that fall on the spectrum? So I guess there's a lot of questions that we have to ask. One is, is the animal feeling any pain during this procedure or this biopsy, right? Two, is there like, well, how do we think about consent, right? Because now you can take this whole principle of veganism and even throw it into laboratories, right? Do mice take to have consent, rats, dogs, whatever, you know, testing we're doing just so we can further the human species. And I don't know, with artificial intelligence, with Neuralink, with the way that we're starting to understand emotion and, and complex systems, I honestly would not doubt in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we start to have animals kind of talk to us and, and, or we can at least feel sensation and pain from them. Um, and I think that would be a huge stepping stone in terms of this, this realm of 
animals and meat and ethics. Um, so I'm not sure what I will do, you know, moving forward. I think it's a very interesting concept. You know, there's a whole separate talk about health benefits. And, you know, if for any reason you decide to go vegetarian or vegan, um, make sure you look at resources to understand how to still get adequate protein and to make sure your labs are good for specific vitamins. So you're not hitting deficiencies. I can tell you right now, as a vegetarian, I guarantee you I can lift more than 95% of people in the world. I'm faster than 95% of people in the world. I'm healthier than 95% of the people in the world. So it is 100% possible to be healthy without eating meat. And I want to dispel that myth completely. Um, and there are plenty of people out there doing it, even from a longevity health span perspective. You know, my one of my grandmas was 108, never ate meat. My current grandma's 92, doesn't eat meat. So there's other principles outside of diet and just protein um, that matter when it comes to health. Um, so that's that. Again, I think it's important if you are going to eat meat to look at factory farming, to think about, are you okay with that animal suffering and dying the way they are, wherever you choose to get your meat? And are you okay in general with just an animal dying? Are you okay with killing it yourself? Because if you're not, and you're just putting something in your mouth, you're indirectly, and you're choosing to be blind by a topic that can be uncomfortable. And I think it's important that we face it head on. Again, I just want to disclose, I'm not here sitting on my pedestal. I'm not here trying to change people's minds about eating meat. I know I have my biases. I will always see confirmation biases. I'm trying to check those. I'm trying to make sure that I'm living in that gray area and can think about the future of this. Um, but I think it's just an important topic we have. I think it's important that we just think about it. And that's that. If you guys have any thoughts on this, please let me know. Um, would love to have a discussion. Go on Twitter hit me up on Instagram, um, or just email me. So looking forward to see what you guys think. All right. Take care.